Hi, everybody. This is Jay. And this is Mark. And we'd like to welcome you to Backstage Pass. Pass. This is Backstage Pass. I'm Jay. And I'm Mark. And we'd like to welcome you to this special Backstage Pass Christmas edition. So light the Christmas tree, sit back, grab some hot chocolate and a candy cane, and enjoy our holiday audio Christmas card to you. Hey. This is Jay. I'm going to tell you a little tale. A Christmas tale. It all started a few weeks before Christmas when Mark called and asked me if I would go with him on a little adventure to help a friend of his. And that's the word he used. Adventure. Now if you've listened to us for a while, if he calls anything an adventure, that should make you think twice about agreeing to go with him. But how could I say no? We met near his home very late one evening, a few days before Christmas. Jay, I'm glad you said you were willing to help me out. It means a lot to me to take time away from your family at Christmas time. Yeah, you got it, man. Even though it's 1.45 in the morning, <laughs> you know I'm always willing to help you out. And this really sounded important. Although, uh, you're being pretty cryptic about it all. Sorry, it's just so hard to explain. Here, let me help you with that stuff. We're obviously going somewhere cold to need all of this heavy winter gear, which I might add is very hard to find in Florida. And here's all our file information on Expedition Everest and the Yeti. What do we need all that for? Well, as long as we were there, they wanted us to give a lecture on the Yeti of the Expedition Everest attraction. It's their favorite. Well, that and the Winter Summerland mini golf. Who, Mark? Well, more importantly right now is where. Um, let's just put your stuff here with my pile on the curb. Oh, man. You've got a ton of stuff over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll need it where we're going. Which is? Uh, the Himalayas. What? The Himalayas? You're talking about the mountains and, and all the snow and everything? Right. To a hidden village in the lower elevations of Everest, uh, Norda Paulo. In English, the Northern Post. Although most people mistranslate it to the North Pole. <laughs> the North Pole. I isn't that in the Arctic? Oh yeah, the geo and magnetic poles, but uh, this is the other North Pole. Yeah, I I'm not following you. The Santa Claus North Pole. Oh, I see. So, so we're going to go see Santa, are we? Well, uh, uh, yes, actually we are. Okay. Have you been hitting the nitrous tanks at your dental office? No, I'm totally serious. Oh. And uh, how do we get there, Mark? Is the Polar Express coming for us? <laughs> no. Uh, Federal Express. What? To say I was confused was a complete understatement. But it was indeed a FedEx truck that pulled up. Just a plain old FedEx truck. With a strange little driver that seemed to be great friends with Mark. We loaded all of our gear in the back and sat down on the bench surrounded by our supplies. 
We talked for a long, long time about the lecture we needed to give, and I guess somewhere I lost track of time. Hey, hey, we're here. W where? The airport? No, Nord Apollo. What? How? Uh, FedEx, when it positively, absolutely has to be there overnight. We pulled up to a loading dock, next to a monstrous warehouse that seemed to stretch for a mile. Written over a huge door, it said receiving. On the other side of the ridge was a second warehouse, even larger than the first, and it was marked sending. Then I saw it, towering above us, Everest. The mountain was framed in a dark, frosty air, looming over us in the darkness. It was unbelievable. And there nestled below us in the foothills lay a quaint old town, snow covering the fairy tale gingerbread trims. Lights twinkling as people were scurrying past the huge Christmas tree that was sparkling with multicolor crystal lights in the town square. Nord Apollo, welcome! All right, all right, come on, get the lead out, you guys. Uh, hey, Doc, how are things? The, uh, the wife and the kids? Hey, Camden, it's great to see you again. Oh, everyone's doing fine. How are the elflings and the wife? Oh, great, great. And uh, who's the big boy you brought along? Oh, I want you to meet Jay. Oh, uh, you mean the guy from Backstage Pass? All right, guys. All right, calm down, huh? You're uh, you're very popular around here, Jay. Oh, they love Disney here. You know, kind of figures. They all listen to Inside the Magic. They sneak off to the parks whenever they can. They go late, late at night. And the maintenance staff is pretty understanding when they come. You have got to be kidding me. Yeah, the the elves get a little miffed at the height restrictions, but you know you can't be flinging elves all over the place. Come on, you guys, get that gear loaded and be careful with the dock stuff, huh? Uh, come on, you two. They're expecting you at the hotel. Get up on the sleigh there, big boy. Um, Mark? Are those, like, elk pulling the sleigh? What, uh... What happened to the reindeer? Well, actually, they never used reindeer. They're they're just too little. But, uh, but that is Rudolph up front there. He doesn't really have a glowing nose. It was just a little reddish spot where he had some mange on his muzzle once. We were taken on a sleigh down into the town, the bells on the elk jingling in the bright moonlit night, and then we arrived at this beautiful little hotel that was tucked onto a snowy street. It was made of logs and bricks, and it was warm and cheery, and actually it was strangely much larger inside than it looked from the outside. We got settled into our rooms, which were wonderful. It had a big screen TV, a fireplace, a jacuzzi tub, <laughs> and even fresh poinsettias and garlands. We relaxed and rested for a while. I woke up when the sunlight was filtering into my room. I opened the drapes and stared at the massive mountain outside. It was unbelievable. I showered and met Mark for breakfast. Apparently our lecture was scheduled for 10 a.m. And Mark had warned me about their diet here at Nord Apollo. And that it was kind of on the sweet side and <laughs> after a breakfast of Christmas cookies and huge steaming mugs of hot chocolate uh, with candy cane stirs, I understood what he meant. After breakfast we found a big sign in the lobby with our pictures that read Santa's special presentation, Disney's Expedition Everest, The Yeti Revealed, with Jay and Mark of Backstage Pass, today in the Grand Christmas Ballroom. We walked down the long corridors and found it packed to the rafters and out the doors with, uh, elves, waiting for our lecture. See, I told you they like Disney. This is unbelievable, Mark. And even more unbelievable, was the person who came to meet us. <laughs> Mark! Jay! It's so wonderful you could come! The elves have been working so hard this Christmas season, and they're really looking forward to taking a little break with your presentation. Santa? 
The real Santa? Oh, he's a little shell-shocked. Oh, <laughs> I understand. Oh, Jay, it's just like when you got that Atari 2600. Just looked at it for ten minutes in sheer disbelief after he opened it. <laughs> yeah, how did you know? Come on, Jay, let's give our presentation. <clears throat> Disney's massive audio-animatronic creature inside Expedition Everest at Disney's Animal Kingdom moves with a force equal to a jumbo jet. Now how do you convince guests that he's a living, breathing being? In the case of the Yeti, it took biologists, artists, engineers, and programmers working together for four years to bring the creature of the Himalayas to life. And we are so excited to tell you that as a reward for all your hard work this season, Santa is sending you all to Disney World after Christmas. Disney, Imagineers invited their animation colleagues to sketch ideas of what the Yeti might look like. More than a hundred unique designs were shared, from cartoons looming over cities, to fanged monster-like apes, to muscular gorilla-shaped animals. At the same time, the team met with Dr. Stuart Sumita, professor of biology and consultant to animated films, to develop a realistic body, form, and movement structure. If the Yeti is real, how would he walk? How would he stand? How big would his jaw jut out? Sumita, who has worked with animators to develop realistic movements for films, talked about brain size of known large primates, musculoskeletal structures, proportions, and movement. The team discussed legendary sources and current descriptions of the Yeti that they'd heard from the local people in Nepal and the Himalayas. Over the course of several months, the sketches, folklore, and science merged into a clearer concept. The Expedition Everest Yeti would be similar in size to Gigantopithecus, a giant ape from prehistoric times, with a skull modified from the Asian Langur monkey, facial features and fangs of the Golden Monkey, and brownish fur and hair that would blend into a forest environment. The final touch would be added by audio engineers, a whistling shriek and a mighty roar. The artist's sketch of the Expedition Everest Yeti would now face its biggest challenge, being brought to life in a dimensional, dynamic, and very believable way. It would take a team of sculptors, computer modelers, technical designers, engineers, and figure finishers, not to mention research on animal fur and hair, sounds, and eye movement. The job of developing what the Yeti would look like fell to principal designer Doug Griffith. He began with a roughly finished sculpture to develop the face and head proportions and the character of the Yeti the sagittal crest of the skull, the look of the fur, and the intensity of the eyes all began to emerge from that initial lump of clay to reflect the size and look the creature would ultimately have. At the same time, Griffith worked with the engineers and programmers to develop a computer model of how the Yeti would be positioned inside the attraction. The figure would have limited space and range of motion, and engineering would dictate the final skeletal framework so the Yeti could swipe over the train and stop just short of the inner wall of the mountain. For the final maquette, a sculpture in miniature of the Yeti, sculptor Scott Goddard worked for several months with the same type of clay used by the Greeks, adjusting and refining it in order to get the position, the personality, and the details of the Yeti just right. Goddard blended ancient and modern sculpting techniques to create the final version with a fierce expression, a giant head and teeth, and in a pose that specifically met the technical constraints required by engineering. Coordinates were marked on the sculpting board where the Yeti's elbows, hands, and feet had to match. Walt Disney Imagineering creative executive Joe Rohde, 
Griffith and Goddard collaborated closely and often discussed specific features. Are the fingernails too short? Is the eyebrow thick enough? Is it too scary? Is it scary enough? Finally, the sculpture was complete. Photos were taken to document the artistic model's appearance. Then Goddard carefully scraped off all of the sculpted hair. This left a smooth body figure that was tagged with laser markers and scanned into the computer. The computer file was used to mill a life-sized foam version of the figure, which was refined by Goddard, the original sculptor. The head, feet, and hands required the most attention, since they would be visible while the body would be covered in fur. The foam sculpture was then coated with a sealer, a mold was created, and a fiberglass cast of the creature began to emerge. Joints were created at carefully selected points. The artist worked hand-in-hand -hand with robotics engineers to ensure that the final figure would have the range of motion needed, plus access to install mechanics and pneumatics while not violating the dramatic intent. In addition, access panels were required for the operations maintenance team, who would be responsible for the long-term care of the Yeti. Days of sanding, fiberglassing, and assembly resulted in a giant figure that surrounded an armature of steel connecting the feet, legs, and torso. The massive size of the figure surprised most members of the team. As the engineers tested motions and movements, the costume designers began to create what would be the skin and fur of the animal. The team worked in a tall, windowless warehouse. Access was restricted to keep the Yeti a secret for the months it took to bring all the elements together. Long before fur was added, the figure had to be programmed. Specialists with backgrounds in animation, programming, and technical fields created more than 100 computer animation tests over two years. They spent hours bringing the Yeti to life with subtle turns of the head, tilts of the arm, and blinks of the eye. This pre-programming phase took place as a virtual design within the computers and then in a full-size production facility with the animated figure. The final programming occurred in the field after the Yeti was installed inside the mountain. Once programmed, the Yeti's mechanics were tested and cycled. The Yeti went through his paces continuously for hour after hour, preparing for long days of terrifying guests with no days off. Figure finishers spent months researching types of fur, from horsehair to silk to nylon. The final coat is a blend of yak, horsehair, and synthetics. Designers created mats and dreadlocks, even mixing in Spanish moss for authenticity. Teeth and nails were molded from acrylic, then stained to look aged, yellowed, and dirty. Paint and mud were added where the Yeti would have walked through the forests in wet environments. And one lucky designer had the job of packing dirt between the Yeti's toes. <laughs> After our talk, the elves crowded around us asking questions for another hour until Santa finally told them that we had an important duty to do today. I'm sure I looked pretty puzzled when several elves in full mountain climbing attire appeared out of the crowd. Well, here are your helpers. AJ. It's a pleasure. CJ. Delighted. And DJ. Yo. <laughs> Good luck, boys. They'll meet you out back of the hotel. They already have the sleighs loaded to go. I'm so happy you're able to do this for him for Christmas. It'll make him so happy. We left the ballroom and walked back to our rooms. Okay, okay. Now where are we going and who was Santa talking about making so happy? Uh, you know the old Christmas television special Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Sure. I guess I remember it. Uh, Rudolph, the misfit elves. Hermie, the elf that wanted to be a dentist. Uh, Bumble the Abominable Snowman. Wait, you're not going to tell me that it's all true, are you? No, no. Uh, not exactly. Oh, brother. 
Well, see, quite a while back, another dentist, uh, Bob Hermanson... Dr. Hermie? ...was contacted by Santa to help uh, a friend of his. You don't mean Bumble. No, no, his uh, his name is Boompal. It's an ancient word meaning protector. What? Are you saying that there really is an abominable snowman? Well, he's really quite friendly, but uh, that was part of his trouble. He got very attached to the high sugary diet on his visits to Nordopolo. You know, candy canes, cookies, hot chocolate. He got gum disease, had to have his teeth extracted and dentures made. <laughs> okay, so you made him some new ones, right? Right. I have the old cast from Dr. Hermanson and made him some new dentures. He doesn't come down the mountain from his cave very much anymore. He's kind of embarrassed by his teeth. So, we did it. We climbed up the slope to an isolated cave with the help of the elves and delivered some brand new dentures to Boom Paul. And just as Santa said, the big hairy guy was beside himself with joy. As a matter of fact, he was so happy he grabbed us both in his huge hands and climbed one of the ridges above his cave. Man, his breath is bad. <laughs> but nice teeth, huh? <laughs> Boom Paul smiled and pointed at Nord Apollo. Nestled far below with the warm lights glowing in the coming twilight, a light snow falling. Sparkling trails of light were fanning out across the slopes coming from the village below, one after another. Jay, look! Deliveries are being made. It's Christmas Eve. The streams of light were growing and growing like a fountain of sparkles coming from the heart of Nord Apollo. And high above Everest in the darkening night sky, a single star burned brightly. There was something so special and so magical that night. Huh. Merry Christmas, Mark. Merry Christmas, buddy. <laughs> oh! And you too, big guy. <laughs> and as we stood there, our breath making halos around our heads, we suddenly heard sleigh bells and saw Santa and his sleigh sailing through the darkening sky, the elk snorting in the cold mountain air. Ho, <laughs> ho, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas to all, and to all 